Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Bear Down Bears fans, welcome into the Chicago Bears Podcast. Joined by the great Tommy Waddle. It is such a the great Tommy Waddle. I, it, it's not at all, my friend. Welcome to the podcast, Tommy. Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be here. You are enthusiastic, too. That must be your youth because last night was a long night. Last night was a very long night. The good thing is uh, I worked construction before this, so I've worked many 15 to 16-hour days sure. heavy and much, had to do it again. Much heavier lifting than sitting here talking. A little bit more work, uh, but this is a little bit more on the mind, right? You gotta. We, we're, we're Chicago fans. It's it's more so uh, maintaining sanity through everything we've been through. Yes, especially these days. Hopefully, we're coming through on the other side. But it has been quite trying to be a Chicago sports fan over the last several. Years. But I feel like we are coming out on the other side. We're going to be talking about the draft pick last night, Darnell Wright. A very interesting uh, move by Ryan Poles. It seems like it's got the city split. Also going to be talking about what the Bears got to do on day two. We got a we got a lot of draft left in this, and the Bears got a lot of picks. How many? Nine? Nine? Picks, I believe ten, not. Uh, nine or ten? Uh, How about a bunch? We added we added one more, and then like we lost for, the one. That's, that's next year. I believe so. There's a lot of picks coming out here, and and, and day two is going to be a fun time for us. Uh, all that and more in today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Make sure that you've hit the like button, subscribe to the page, and leave that five star review. Tommy didn't expect me to be this loud in this room. That's what that was. No, at you're first. enthusiastic <laughs> for sure. I love it. It's just my age. I think I got to bed late last night and got up early, so it's just how I roll. Oh man, let's get into it though. Uh, Bears end up taking Darnell Wright, moving back, trading back adding the 2024 pick uh, in the fourth round. And it, it seems pretty split in Chicago today. I'm not going to lie. Well, I mean, listen, we'd argue about anything in this town. Yeah. Um, my prediction was just, you know, to go back in time. I thought that if, in fact, Jalen Carter made his way to nine, that the Bears would, in fact, draft him. Yes. But um, obviously, based on what we saw last night, the the conclusion was is that there was something about him that, that – didn't sit well with them. And if it's something that you can't get past, then they did exactly the right thing and, and they pivoted and they went the other direction. Uh, they're a team that's got so many different needs right now, especially in the trenches on both sides of the football that um, you're not going to get a bad word out of me yeah. uh, based on what they did last night. What they did was they fortified their offensive line and they're going to create a better environment for the young quarterback and hopefully uh, for everyone inside that offensive huddle to perform better this year than they did last year. So uh, we had uh, Lewis Riddick on our show yeah. last week. I think it was last week. Whatever it was, a lost time. Maybe it was earlier this week. Probably was earlier this Probably week. Probably this week. Whatever it was, Lewis was telling us his – Darnell Wright was his favorite player in the entire draft. Sylvie asked him the question at 9, and before Sylvie even finished the question, yeah. you know, Lewis said, Darnell – Darnell Wright, he's the be he said Lewis thought that there was a chance that he was the best player in this draft, regardless of position. So mm. he definitely addresses a need. He's an experienced player that that is, you know, played a ton, a four-year guy at Tennessee, played on the left side, played on the right side. My guess is is they're comfortable with Braxton Jones on the left. They'll slot him in on the right side, and immediately from day one, you're better up front. I I think that the the hard part is right. Breaking what our mindset is. This is Chicago. We are defense. We are hard-hitting action. We want to see hits on the other side, takeaways, turnovers, all of those things. And while you do need those things, I think Ryan Poles changed the mindset 
of Chicago fans forevermore in this city because for the first time, Carter was the bear pick. Yeah. For the last 60, 70, however many years you want, he, he is the a three technique and a four three defense that makes your linebacking crew better. Going offense would have seemed insane. Well, I'm, you're right. We're still a town that appreciates good defense. Yes. I mean, and you should. I but mean, we you're not it. going to get to the top of the mountain in the NFL without being good on that side of the football. But in 2023, it's more likely that you're going to find yourself in a 30-27 shootout than yeah. you are a 10-7. Yeah. So um, the emphasis on offense, I think, is is a welcomed emphasis, whether or not that's a pivot for some people or not. Now they're thinking differently as a Bears fan. Yeah. Um, look, I think people, th- there is always going to be a group that th- the what if group, yeah. you know, what if Jalen Carter great. turns into the second coming of Aaron Donald? Yeah. You know, if he does, then that's going to be unfortunate. But what if he does that and Darnell Wright turns into a 10-year starter at right tackle for the Chicago Bears? Yeah. I mean, like this this is an inexact science. Um, I think that there's no question that Jalen Carter, had he been selected by Ryan Poles, would have upgraded that defense. You know, you bring in Edwards, you bring in Edmonds, and those guys are fantastic players. But in a lot of ways, they're as good as the guys in front of them. So. Yes. You know, they're going to find out that life was easier in Buffalo and Philadelphia, For respectively, sure. at least early on. Um, but but look, I mean, Jalen Carter finds a comfortable landing spot in in, in allows him to grow. Yeah. And, and like he's 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 got some familiarity there. There's some former Georgia teammates that he'll be playing with, including Nolan Smith, who was drafted later. Yeah. In the first round last night by the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, there's some familiarity, I believe, with, you know, uh, uh, other guys inside that defensive huddle. So, and if Howie Roseman takes a swing and misses, you know, so what? Yeah. You know, he, he he still has a Super Bowl title and another trip to the Super Bowl for Ryan Poles, who's, in my opinion, done a very good job early on here, but in his second year in, in a very important role, if he swings and misses it's on huge. a player like that, it's going to stick to him probably a little bit more than it does in a, a, a more tenured general manager. Yeah, no, 100%. And I, I think that now, right, you look at your offensive line with uh, Nate Davis, Darnell Wright, Tevin Jenkins, Braxton Jones, and I feel better about it coming into the yeah. season now. I, I feel better about the protection that's around Justin. And the thing is, the, the part that I think a lot of people, I think that we have to, like, change our brains to what we've all, always seen. That's not Jay Cutler standing back there. It's no. not Rex Grossman standing back no. there. Justin Fields can make plays on his own. And now, right, when he does throw the ball, I think a lot of what people's vision is skewed by from last season is Justin having to vacate the pocket, trying to make a pass on the run, which he's actually pretty good at, and the ball goes through people's hands. So when you just look at the numbers at the end of the season, it's all oh, Justin Fields was 9 for 19 in this game. That he, he can't pass the football. I don't think that's the situation we're in here, and I like that they went. Well, I think the there's a lot of growth that needs to occur from everybody yes. inside that huddle. But there's no doubt. I, I mean, for anybody that would want it to come to a conclusion as to who Justin is as a quarterback, especially through the air after two seasons, based in the the difficult environment he's been in, I just I don't think I personally can't come to that conclusion. I think it's unfair and too early to come to that conclusion. What they're doing though with the trade, bringing DJ Moore in and upgrading their offensive line and getting better in a lot of other spots, is there with you know without mincing words, they're eliminating the excuses. Yeah. So the 2023 season is not only them making the environment friendlier and better for Justin, it's also about evaluating Justin 
you know, now this year the protection should be better. The weapons on the edge should be better as well. So now we need to see growth from him as well. So I, I think it's it's kind of a two-way street, but um, there's no doubt that this was the path that they thought was best for Justin and for them, and, and I agree with it. And, um, you know, we're just going to have to see how 2023 shakes out with some of these improvements. There's, you know, there's little things as well. I, I've said this for a very long time. I think familiarity is a very important component in football, in all sports. And if you go back to, you know, Justin in, in, in Ohio State, I mean, that's the last time he's been in the same offense in consecutive years. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, he comes into the, to the NFL Matt Nagy's the coach, so there's one change. <laughs> they go from the Ohio State <laughs> offense to Matt Nagy offense, yeah. and, which didn't make a whole lot the of sense. The Matt Nagy offense? Yeah. Is, uh, right. It's a stretch it is there a, thing. a little bit. Yeah, it is a thing. Uh, <laughs> and then after them. one year, they go to Luke Getze offense. So now in three years, he's played in three different offenses. So for the first time since he was in college, yeah. he can actually be comfortable going to training camp, being aware of the terminology, the people around him, the coaching staff that's inside the building – uh, that to me is enormous for his growth. So, um, yeah, I, I expect that the 2023 season should yield a ton of improvement. Like, I'm not expecting this team to be a, a Super Bowl contender, yeah. but I'm somebody that believes you should see significant improvement on a number of fronts. Yeah, you should see. I, I think Lions' improvement is not crazy to say here, right? Like, I, Yurko said something that, that really, um, I think, stuck out. He said, "Is a seven-win team that underperformed. They were three and four going into last season. And then Ryan Pohl said, hey, all right, well, that's the direction we're going. Uh, Roquan, the, that's, that's it for that. No Robert Quinn. No, right. Like when, when you start to pull the rug under the team, of course, they end up winning three games by the end of the season. Well, this was by design. Yeah, like, listen, they wanted like, this. I, I spent, you know, I, I spent my entire time watching a three and 14 team pretty content. Yeah. Like there were certain things that, that, you know what irritates you as a fan, but you the Washington to game to me was the one I was like, Justin, you got to do more, a little more than that one. Yeah, but outside I, but of that, that was yeah, still early. That was still a feeling out process, and to jump to that point there, like there were a lot of people that were pissed off. Well, where was, you know, Matt? Where Luke Getzey? They come out of the the mini buy, and where were finally starting to call some runs? Well, everyone was down on Luke Getzey for not having Justin run the ball twenty times again prior to that. Listen, this is a new this is a new offensive coordinator yeah. who's learning a new group of players. Yeah. By the way, if you think Justin was hoping that he had better players in his offensive huddle, don't you think the <laughs> offensive coordinator was hoping the same thing? So there's a feeling out process. I I, I feel like Luke Getzey's done a fantastic job. Has he been perfect? No, but all things considered, I think he's done a really good job and he's been a calm force for Justin to work with through a very difficult time. But, you know, this was a team that that had a plan last year. And that plan was is that we're going to rebuild. And yeah. there maybe I actually would tell you that the one I think it was the Detroit game was the first time I think it was Detroit here where it felt like or maybe it was the one in there where it felt like they let go of the rope. Like it was the first time I felt like the uh, team really kind of Yeah. I think that know, was there when, when started uh, to play Justin, like the White Sox. Yeah. Oh, don't let me start. Why'd you, why'd you, why'd you do that to us here, Tommy? We're, we're, we're excited about the Bears here, Tommy. And you're, you're going to bring up the White Sox right now. Well, I'm just trying to make the analogy <laughs> or the comparison that that's the only time that I really felt like they let go of the rope. Yes. They were outmanned by design. The like, entire season. Is, yes. This is what the plan was. And, and look, I was all in. The teardown is the easy part. The yeah. rebuild is the more difficult part. And I've said this for, you know, eight, ten months now. 
you've got my attention yeah. and you've got my support, but I'm not going to be as a fan or as someone who covers the team, I'm not going to be as forgiving in 2023 as I was in 2022. Absolutely. And while I'm not expecting a Super Bowl championship, I'm expecting improvement from the coaches, yeah. from the players, from everybody involved. So if they come out with a 3-14 and 14 season next year, something went wrong. Yes. Either Ryan didn't do a really good job in the draft and free agency, or Justin didn't make the progress. Luke Getze didn't make the progress that he needed. This is a team that in a very mediocre NFL that Yurko talks about all the time should win seven games. Yes. I mean, they should because of, of the direction. They tore it down. You have me, my support. Yeah. But now... Now it's time to win some of those games that you lost in the fourth quarter last year. I'm expecting them to win some of those. Not all of them, yeah. but certainly more than they did last year. I said seven-win floor with the optimistic side being maybe nine because how many of those games last season were a tip pass goes the other way. Somebody, you know, dropped the ball. Uh, the, the Bears are driving and Isaiah Mazaret smith or smith Mazaret, however that was ordered last season. Um he gets the ball stripped out from behind him because he's trying to get extra yards in a game that the Bears can put away. You know, like different little things like that that I think won't be an issue this season. I think you saw even in this offseason, the people the Bears brought back or people that they're like, hey, he got the system. He understands what his role is in this system. I like having that guy there. Yeah. Well, you got to feel the team, too. Yeah. You know, there's some, like I said, familiarity, I think, is a really important component. But you also have to, you know, over the course of time, you have to build this thing and you have to put better people inside both huddles. So, um, again, I'm not expecting some wild run that takes them to the Super Bowl, but I do expect to see them in that graphic in the hunt. Yeah. In the bot, you know, the last third of the season, because basically everyone's included in that graph. Yeah, you know? But I mean, think about it. Think about what half I'm, the teams in the league at yeah, this point. <laughs> I, I'm saying, you know, this is what I'm telling you. Well, I'm expecting them to win seven games. That's three games under 500. Like yeah. that's that bar not is good. not. The bar's not like way up high. That yeah. is a very reasonable level of expectations for them. And and if they don't reach seven wins, like I said. I personally believe we're going to be sitting around suggesting that something went wrong if they don't get to seven wins because, yeah. and I, I get it, it's a huge jump from three to seven. The jump from three to seven is significantly easier than the jump from seven to 10 or from nine to 12. It yeah. just is. So this is the easy part. We're still in the easy part here, and we're still in the understanding and patient part. I just don't think that I'll be nearly as patient with this team this upcoming season as I was last season because my expectations for them are different. I, th I think it's like you said, right? Like when you when you <laughs> look at look at the jump that that the team could possibly make. There's so much that has to go. You you did this exercise one day. Um, I was listening to Waddle and Sylvie break down the simplicity. Or, or, or the complexity, I should say, that it takes to complete a simple five-yard pass well, it's crazy. in the NFL. Like I said that to all the time. This is like my explanation for why I think that football is the ultimate team sport. Yeah. You know, when I break the huddle, think about what's got to go right for a, just a simple hitch route to be completed. Yeah. You know, first of all, your offensive line has everybody's got to make sure that Jim Harbaugh is protected. Jim's got to drop back, be able to get the ball off on time. Yeah. I've got to be able to to evade a defensive back, whether he's playing off or he's in my face, whatever it is, I've got to find a way to create some space between me and him and give Jim a throwing lane. Then Jim's got to throw the ball in a somewhat accurate fashion, and I've got to find a way to make the catch. Yeah. Like All of that has to go right sim simply for a five- or six-yard gain. 
So to to really understand what needs to take place on a play in and play out basis, like it's truly everybody's got to do their job. If the ball's not snapped at the right time, if your left guard doesn't, you know, get the cutoff block, if I don't get a clean release, you know, everything has to be done with precision yeah. in a certain way. So, um, and, and again, the teams that, that can do it kind of in their sleep are the ones that become obviously the most efficient. And obviously having a ton of talent will help that, but also being familiar with each other is a, a big component of it as well. For sure. Hey, uh, that was the first quarter of the show right there, Tommy. We were off to a good start, man. I think we're ahead going out of the first. We got some adjustments to make tired. going into yeah, the second. You're yeah, not like, tired yet. No load management here. <laughs> I feel like uh, I can play all 12 minutes. Relax there, Kawhi. Uh <laughs> Well, let me ask you that, this. Right? That's not good. Let's get into the second quarter of time as we as we look at um, how day one went and how we expect day two to go. I want to start it off with this. In day one, with everything, right, DJ Moore, the picks that we have next season, Darnell Wright, what grade are you giving Ryan Poles coming out of day one? Are you feeling good about day well, one? Well, I give him an A because I, I do include what you just mentioned. Yeah. Like having the first overall selection, first of all, I give Lovey Smith and the Houston Texans an A+. Plus. I asked Devin and, uh, and McKee, has anybody called him to thank him yet? Yeah. They said nobody's calling him. Really? Somebody's got to call Lovey and thank. They should at least have a text. <laughs> McKee said just... he's not picking up for me. That's, yeah. that's Lovey. What's going on there? Yeah, that's got to. I mean, I'm send one for me as well. Um, look, I thought Ryan Poles did the right thing. I, I, you're going to have critics regardless. I mean, we did a, a web poll question several years ago just to prove a point. Like nobody in in Chicago or anywhere can agree on everything. You're never yeah. going to get 100% agreement. Is money good? Yes or no? I think we only got like 97%. You know, because somebody would get all esoteric and deep thinking and say, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, like we were just looking for some. So I, I, I guess the point I'm making is, is you're never going to get a consensus on yeah. anything. I thought that that the trade was fantastic. Um, I wasn't a believer that it was going to happen quickly unless Ryan Poles got an offer that he thought was, you know, he couldn't refuse. Right. And I and I like the offer. And and. Like leading up to last night, there was some. Well, I wish he would have held out. And I, I mean, I don't. I'm I'm completely content with what they got. Absolutely. Not only did you stay in the top ten, uh, you you got a second, an additional second round pick this year. You got a first round pick next year, which creates a lot of flexibility for you. If for whatever reason 2023 has some some hiccups or some roadblocks that you weren't expecting, and you got DJ Moore, who. I truly believe is a better option than anyone that was available in this year's draft as a wide receiver. So like after watching, I, I watched probably 40 or 50 minutes of film on all of the wide receivers at the beginning of this week. And, you know, some of them were, were very impressive, but none of them to me will ever become the player that the DJ, DJ Moore has been and will be. I just think DJ is a really good player and maybe in a different class. Like if this was a couple of years ago and Justin Jefferson was coming out, I'd feel differently. If next year Marvin Harrison Jr. is coming out from Ohio State, I may not be able to say the same thing. But I thought what Ryan did was he added draft currency and he also added a proven commodity at a position that was desperately in search of a difference maker. And now you don't have to worry about whether or not that first round wide receiver 
is going to be able to adjust appropriately and contribute at the next level because that receiver you just added has been a pro bowler in the past and has had three or four 1100 yard receiving seasons and steps into your receiver room and instantaneously instantaneously becomes your best player in there so i loved the trade uh and then again like last night with darnell Wright, what they do is they address an enormous need which is a starting right tackle so i mean he gets certainly gets an a from from me, I, I'm a pretty easy grader, but um, I, I mean, I don't know how you could go. It, are you? I mean, are some people going to suggest? Well, you didn't get enough in the trade with the Eagles for. I thought that was kind of. Ian Cunningham obviously has history with the Eagles, yeah. and they made the trade with Robert Quinn with the Eagles for Robert Quinn. It was almost one of those. Hey, how you doing? Good to talk to you. Just to make sure. We'll move with you. It's only going to cost you a fourth next year. It was like one of those deals that just felt like it was almost like your brother-in-law. Made yeah, it with yeah, you. yeah. So it wasn't that big a deal to me. But, you know, fourth-round pick in 2024 is is meaningful. But That, I mean, if that can worried, still be an impact player. Yeah. I think I think sometimes in a draft people think like it's the NBA. No, like fourth-rounders are impact players. Yeah. Oh, I mean, sure. I mean, there are a lot of guys in the league that came in the, in the league in fourth round and ended up being some of the top players in the, in the league. So – I'm not worried that Jalen Carter is going to make us regret them moving away from him and drafting. All I care about at this point, does Darnell Wright become a guy that you can count on for the next seven to ten years as your right tackle or somewhere else on your offensive line? And if that's the case, then the pick was a success for sure. And and to your point, right, I always look at – I always, of course, you know, peel this bandaid off real quick on the pod. First time mentioning him. We always go back to the Mitch uh, trade up, right? If Mitch played as good as he did in the first year with Matt, where it was the 24 and 12 and the Bears are winning, did we get the best quarterback in the draft? No. Did we get a good quarterback if he continues to play that way? Yeah. And Bears fans will be like, he went and got his guy. We don't care about where you're drafted. Unless you're bad. If Darnell Wright's bad, we're, we're all going to be beating right. the drum of you miss Jalen Carter. But I, I don't feel like, at least from what I've seen from Darnell Wright, a lot of the names that were taken ahead of him on the defensive end, he stopped. The thing that I think when I look at his game, which to me makes him the easy answer for Justin Fields, is when you look at his college tape with Hendon Hooker, He's the one leading the way when Hendon Hooker's taking off. Justin's not going to stop running. You want to make sure he doesn't end up getting hit when he gets yeah, when he's I running. Yeah, I think that you know probably the most compelling part of any of the tape you watch of Darnell Wright is how he handled some of the top competition in the SEC. Yeah, you know, Willie Anderson was asked. Will Anderson was asked who was the most difficult assignment or who was was the best tackle that he played against, and he quickly said it was Darnell, Darnell Wright, Wright at Tennessee. So I mean that's that's pretty pretty significant praise for him. Look, if, if Jalen Carter goes out and becomes the second coming of, 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 Aaron, Donald. of Aaron Donald, like, yeah, there's going to be, we're all going to have some regret, but that regret will be, I think will be, will be eased at least in some ways. If Darnell Wright is the player that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus believe that he is going to be. Um, and at this point with all of the needs that they had up front, especially in the offensive line, and I have them on the defensive line as well, yeah. the trenches, you got a player that projects to be an instant starter and upgrades what you're trying to do. So, you know, I'll wring my hands later. Give us three years. If, you know, if Jalen Carter's destroying the league and we're struggling with, with, 
with right, then then I'll be more willing to say, okay, now I'm concerned, but right now is not that time for me. Did yesterday mark our first time where we're going to look at Ryan and say, okay, you got a real, right? Like Braxton Jones, good offensive line. He's overplayed where he was drafted easily. I don't know if I felt great about him. I think yesterday marked the beginning of the time clock on, okay, now we'll know if Ryan pa- Ryan Poles can really evaluate offensive line talent. Um, well, I think that, you know, how Braxton Jones does continue to develop will also be significant. I think they've got a great, a great offensive line coach in, in Chris Morgan. I think yeah. he's, he's really good at connecting with his guys and, and I just, I feel good about him, but sure. Uh, um, you know, listen, Ryan's a former offensive lineman played at Boston college, you know, had, you know, a, a, a spin here with the bears in training camp, he knows the position. Yeah. So you would hope that his experience and his knowledge and and all that he brings to the table from that positional perspective will, in fact, help him when it comes to the evaluation process. So, yeah, I think for that reason, because he's a former offensive lineman and this was his first first, first round pick, pick yeah. there will be some conclusions drawn, fair or not, about you know how his tenure in Chicago will have gone early on. As we get into day two here, we'll take it into the third quarter. We had halftime here. Might as well go into the third quarter. Keep an eye. We up at Where's the, the juice box in the orange Is that how the yeah, NFL usually, go? Usually it was that. And then, you know, you visit to the men's room. <laughs> I was going to say. Maybe you, another shot in the shoulder yeah. for Toradol or in the ass for Toradol. I, I was going to say, you played in the, the 90s there, Tommy. Uh, it was a little, uh, little, little heater at the uh, – at the halftime, or no? That was that was that was little, still a little bit. We were advanced from there. It wasn't. The, oh, okay. It wasn't Len Dawson. <laughs> still, my favorite sports picture of all time is Len Dawson. I think having a sprightness. Yeah, on the sideline. Yeah, or at least at halftime, sitting in a folding chair at the half. Oh, man. Uh, as we keep this thing going, man, appreciate you guys for tuning in. Make sure that you are listening in on the ESPN 1000 app. or I'm sorry, ESPN Chicago app. You can listen to ESPN 1000. You can listen to the Chicago Bears podcast. You can also go straight to the Chicago Bears podcast on YouTube, and you will get all the draft coverage that we here at ESPN have for you. As we get into this third quarter here, when you're looking at what day two is, 9 to 53 is a chasm. I'm not saying there won't be. Right, Everybody's always like, this is a weak draft. It's a top-heavy draft. And then by the end of it, we're talking about a fifth rounder and a, and a sixth rounder that are you know all pro players. And how'd they miss this guy? But 9 to 53 is a chasm to me. I think there's a lot of talent that comes off the board there. Do you see in day two Ryan Poles moving up? Do you see him a, trying to close I think gap? it's a legit possibility because you got three picks here tonight right yeah i mean you've you've 53, 53 61 61 64 yeah um yeah that was one of the things that that kind of stood out to me before even last night was that there was this big gap as you say between at that point nine they traded back to 10 but then 53 i wouldn't be shocked if they decided to move forward if there's somebody there because now if in fact the rest of the nfl has the same opinion of this draft that all of the draft experts had is is that there was 10 to 15 first round grades and then after that the 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 dip was pretty significant if that's the case i think you may be more willing to move forward if you are also one that believes that it's going to get pretty lean here so um i think that 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 it's very possible that he moves up 
Um, it's very possible that he'll move up and then move back. We've seen he's very active with, with how he handles things. Um, but my expectation is, is they'll find more help in the trenches with whatever it is that they end up with draft-wise, whatever yeah. the picks are. I think that they're still focused on, look, I'd like to see him draft a center, especially with the style that they play right now. Um, and young quarterbacks, I think Justin and other young quarterbacks can be more effective with pressure from the middle of the defensive line than they can from the flanks because yeah. it's just when a pocket collapses and Inward. your guys on your face, yeah. I mean, it's really hard to function. Um, and I think that we he found himself in some pretty odd spots last year. So, And where's Lucas Patrick? Yeah. Not I've sure. asked that probably four times this well, week. Well, I mean, look, I don't I, I know. I've asked that probably they were four fond, times this They were week. fond of him. Um he looked in. great in the six plays that he played. Yeah, center. then he got hurt, so I don't know that you can count on him. Cody Whitehair, you know, has played some some center. I think that there's probably still a good chance that they draft a center. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought the other thing, too, to go back real quick, I thought the fact that that they coached him, Getsy coached him, Darnell Wright, mm-hmm. at, the, at the, the bowl game was at the senior bowl. I think that was very telling as well. He was he was excited. I remember Lou Getzey coming out of that like we got our guy. Yeah, and it was like, wait a minute, like who's your guy? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and we thought that, receiver. We thought something else. Look, there. you yeah. can be you can hold you know, individual pro days. You can you know you can visit with guys. You can have them to your building, but seeing them work in your system, yeah. I think, is the best way to see what you have. So, um, but to get back to the question, I you know I think that they'll still focus on the trenches. Um, but like, I don't, we're still learning how Ryan Poles does his thing. So wouldn't be shocked if they moved up. I, I would actually think it's pretty likely that they'll package something. Maybe it's not even a day two pick. Maybe it's something that comes in the future. Yeah. Or even in, in, you know, on day three, but I'm with you. I think the drop off from 10 to, to 53 or the, the gap is just too big. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see them try to move up a little. I think we got it. The, the tough part is right. Like, this is the one thing that I will give all of Chicago. We want to fix this team so bad, but there's just so many holes that I, like I said, with the first round pick um, on, on uh, my daily podcast, I wouldn't have been mad if we took Carter. I'd have been high. Not me guys. either. Oh. I wasn't mad that we took Darnell Wright. Yep. I wouldn't have been mad if PJJ failed us. I wouldn't like, there was so many pl- names on that list that I'm like, okay, we're good. Like there's so many holes we need to fix on this team. Where are you looking at? I we need we need another cornerback. Yeah. We need a three technique. Yeah. We need a you know we need a, some pass rushers. You, there, there's we had ten sacks last year on the on the defensive line, and uh, 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 not Eddie Jackson. Saying, Jaquan no, Brisker had four your, of them. Yeah, he was your leading sacker. Like that, that, that can't be the case week in and week out where quarterbacks are just bad. I mean, we we saw Mike White look like he he was he was living on cloud nine back yeah. there. Well, that's why, you know, I mean, look, I, I as I said earlier, I'm expecting a lot of progress, yeah. but I'm not one that believes you can solve all these problems in one season. Yeah. Like, you're not going to be able to get two or three pass rushers that are going to have a, a serious impact. Should be able to get one. Yeah. Should be able to get another guy that can help out. you got to solidify your defensive line. I think you've already been better on your offensive line. Uh, you added Nate Davis, you know, to help in the interior of your offensive line. Here's hoping that Tevin Jenkins is more available this year than he was last year because when he's on the field, he's very effective. He's a monster. Um, you know, you are getting better in spots, but there is still so much work for them to do. You still need to get better in your wide receiver room at this point. I think you need to get a pass-catching running back. I like what Foreman can do running the football. He's a big, strong runner of the ball who did 
you know, really well when Christian McCaffrey was traded to yeah. San Francisco and he took over as their lead back. Um, you know, Khalil Herbert to me is also a guy that that has done some really good things early in his career, but neither of those guys is a receiver coming out of the backfield. Yeah. So, and I think that where Justin made a lot of progress last year was when he finally started to take the layups. You know, instead of reading the field from deep to short, he started to read the field because, in you know, I've said this a bunch in the past, like when when you've got Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave running post-dig combos against Indiana, with yeah. no disrespect to the Indiana secondary, at some point someone's getting behind someone. <laughs> so, you know, like you're taught because of the nature of the defense and the yeah. people, the skill in your huddle, you're going to read that offense. You're going to read that play. You're going to read it from deep to short. Like you don't even give a, a damn where your back is. Yeah. Or where your tight end is. Yeah. I mean, because something good's happening down the field with those guys. Well, in the NFL, like that's they'll work that way. Yeah. And sometimes, especially when they know that you're programmed to think that way, they'll take that away from you and force you to take the layups. And I thought that was where we first started to to see Justin make strides, is when you just, hey, like take the dump off to Cole. Yeah. Take the dump off to David Montgomery. You know, don't worry about trying to fit the the 20 yard in route in there because it isn't there. Yeah. So, and then when that happens, then your completion percentage starts to go up. Then you start to kind of loosen the grip on the bat handle, as they say, you start to relax, you start to become more comfortable. And I think that, you know, having a running back who can provide, you know, some of that receiving underneath. productivity underneath is hugely important. So I'm looking for them to do that as well. I think running back to me is a fifth. I, I love, uh, I've said this, everybody wanted Bijan. I think Bijan's going to be amazing. I don't believe in taking running backs top 10. Not when you've got as many holes as <laughs> yeah. this team has. Yeah, when, when we get to, I, I, I've said this on multiple occasions, when we get to where the uh, 49ers are, Eagles. You can trade for Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> you know what I mean? When, right. when I've got Debo and I've got, and I've got a team that's literally got an offensive line that's running over people, even though we know what, what Trent Williams is doing, it didn't matter, right? Like, yeah. I'll go get a running back, right? But to me, I see Kenny McIntosh in the fifth round. I think he's he's a a pass catcher out of the backfield, not breakaway speed, but a guy like you said that can get the dump offs, that can get the those underneath passes. I think Cole made strides in that as well. I do think it's a big part of Justin's mentality. Um, where I think two things happened to Justin last season. I think the first thing that happened to him was he he was a big play guy at Ohio State. He wanted to take the deep shot. Yeah, the deep shots were open. Justin didn't always have the time to step in and get them there. There were times where Darnell Mooney streaking down the sideline. I'm like, Justin, you got to make that throw. Yeah. The other thing I think happened to him was the Kobe complex, um, which could be a good thing, but maybe not in the NFL. Uh, I think that there was a time where Kobe got to the point where he had, you know, uh, Smush Parker on his team. And he was like, why would I give you the ball if you're going to miss? And I think that happened to Justin last yeah, season where he threw the guy. ball to Byron and he's throwing the ball to uh, Mazaret Smith and he's throwing the ball to Byron Pringle. You know what I mean? And it's – you dropped it. You dropped it again. And they're not yelling at you for dropping it. They're yelling at me for not getting you the ball. You still got to throw it. You still got to throw it. Yeah. And I think that happened to him last season. So hopefully we see the development. You you think the wide receiver room still needs an upgrade, though? I I, you're not a – not a fan of Chase and Darnell, or just not thinking long term well, with those. I, I think that you can always have more. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm patient with Chase Claypool. I'm not, would not be someone that says that you know that trade was a disaster. Yeah, I, I agree. they didn't get the return on the investment early 
last season. I think the reason why they made the trade and, and they gave up stiff com- you know, c- compensation for it, obviously, uh, was because they knew that the free agent market was going to be light, to yeah. say the least. And it wasn't an overly deep or top-heavy draft of wide receivers. So they thought the best route to try to add to that room was is to make that trade in the, in the middle of the season for Chase Claypool. And and look, I want to see him with a full summer working with this group, yeah. another summer in the system. And at the end of next year, everyone can come to the conclusion as to who he is and how he fits. I think Darn- Darnell Mooney is a, is a good player. Um, I think that his size will always hold him back a little bit in this league, but he's certainly a guy, especially if you take some – some pressure off of him with someone like DJ Moore. He's got good bursts. He's got good wiggle. He's got good separation. He does a lot of really good things. Yeah, um, I do think that the the room is improved, but it's it's not elite. That's for sure. Is that is that next season's move? Right, you got that those two first round picks. Is that something maybe that they they hold off on? Because Marvin Harrison coming well, out, I'd, I'd package two firsts to go get Marvin yeah, Harrison. I mean, I may have given up a first round pick this year just kind of parked it in the side yeah. just to I mean that he, he to me was the by far regardless of position the best player in college football that I saw yeah this year so you know look you can't count on him being you know available for you next yeah. year um, but you always want to get better and and look I think they did a really nice job putting Cole in positions to take advantage of what he does well I don't think that the previous regime did that. Cole's, in, to me, is an inline wide tight end. He's not a guy that you're going to split the slot like George Kittle, and, right. and he doesn't run like a wide receiver in a tight end's body. He's a tight end in a tight end's body, and you got to use him accordingly. And I think Luke Getze did that well this year, and you saw he was much more uh, efficient and, and had a hell of a lot more impact on what they were doing offensively. So it was uh, as long as they continue to use guys and – and put them in position to take advantage of what they do well. I mean, you're going to see better performance. For Cole sure. Komet finally using that uh, four-year degree at tight end. You, uh, well, listen. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it, it you can only do what the coach asks you to That's do. That's true. And the previous regime was asking him to be somebody, in my opinion, that, that he, he really wasn't. wasn't. Yeah. And if you look at the film this past year and what Luke Getzey was asking him to do. Uh, he was beautifully situated in, in, you know, more of an inline tight end position. He's fantastic in the red zone. He's a good blocker. He's not going to be a guy that stretches seams or yeah. threatens safeties down the field vertically, in my opinion. But um, that doesn't mean you can't find a place or a way to to make him an integral part of what you're doing offensively. I, I think I think it's a must, like you said. The, Cole's the guy, the big body that helps Justin under, that should be helping yeah. Justin on, on some of those underneath throws as well. Uh, as we come to the fourth quarter here. It's been a great pot, by the way. This this is amazing football insight. I'm Gene. I'm just, I'm I'm always flabbergasted. Yurko had me stunned in here. He listen. He Yurko had me stunned in here. Like he's this big dumb, you know, former (laughs) defensive line. He's the smartest guy in the building nine times out of ten. He's sitting there telling me stuff, not just football wise, but just in general. I, I will say I, I've heard some things, you know, gr- growing up listening to you guys and, and hearing Yurko on the radio. Yeah, I've, I've heard some things he said with confidence that I'm like, I don't know if that's true, but he said that confidently. Well, yeah, enough. I mean, you know that. <laughs> you say it confidently, you got a better chance of people believing you, even if you don't believe yourself. I, I did. I did that to my wife one day. She, we were talking about. Uh, I'm a big animal guy. I love watching Animal Planet stuff like that. And she asked, she like looked at something, some weird looking creature. She was like, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's a, it's a red bellied uh, lake loon. You know, they, they do this and they, they make these things happen. This is the kind of noise that they have. And by the end of it, I was just like, and I have absolutely no idea what I'm talking but about. Why did you, you ask want. me about this? <laughs> but, That's your <Jerko. laughs> 
Um, you, if if you're looking at the team right now, rookies are going to be coming in. You have to explain. I, I saw Cap do something last night at the uh, the amazing event that was put on uh, between the Bears and ESPN um, that. He was basically just telling Kyler Gordon things about Chicago that Kyler just didn't know, right? And it, putting Kyler on game with what it is to be a part of this city. If you, being a former Bear, had to tell these rookies coming in, what does it mean to be a Chicago Bear? What would you tell them? I, I mean, the first thing I would say is, is understand the magnitude of the jersey that you're wearing. And while the team hasn't had the success that we all have, you know, wish that they have had, would have had, um, it doesn't change the importance of of being given the opportunity to represent the charter franchise. Uh, there's a lot of history that has has come in that uniform from yeah. a, a lot of different people, come from a lot of different places. Um, you know, some of the greatest players in the history of this game, George Hallis creates the league. Yeah. So um, just to understand the magnitude, just be appreciative, first of all, of of the opportunity. Now, you earned it for sure. Because uh, they don't they they don't give these opportunities to everybody. So everybody that will be lined up and practicing next week and up at Hallis Hall will have earned that opportunity. But take it seriously, and also know that you know there's somebody else always gunning for your job. So be prepared and make sure you're willing to make the sacrifices. But understand that you know I, I would say you know, maybe research the history of the franchise a little bit to, yeah. just to know. Um, while we don't have as many Super Bowl titles as other teams. Um, there is something I felt special about wearing the burnt orange and navy blue. Yeah, I, I heard Justin Jones um, yesterday. He was talking with Black and Abdallah, and he, he was talking about the the rivalry that Green Bay and Chicago have and how, you know, old ladies are giving the middle finger to you to ride in on the bus. That's and, true. And different things like that. That's true. I mean, like, and he just looked and he was just like, I love it. I love it. It, it. it is what football is. I mean, like being the player, do you guys feel that same, like even coming in, right, in the beginning for you, did you feel that same energy in that rivalry day one? Yeah. I mean, I, first of all, I felt the, the energy in the room because my first training camp, my mini camp was May of 89. And yeah. you walk into the building and there's Jimbo Covert, there's Jay Hilgenberg, there's Tom Thayer, there's Mark Bortz, there's, you know, Keith Van Horn, there's Hampton, there's McMichael, there's Singletary, there's Dent, there's Sean Gale, there's Dave Dewerson, there's Mike Ditt. I mean, like, listen, I could go on and on and yeah. on and on and on. When you walk into the room, you know, you've just entered, you know, in an environment that's filled with royalty. Um, so you understand your own the, you know, the history of your own team. But then certainly, you know, when you go to Lambeau Field or you go even to Detroit or Tampa Bay or wherever it was that you were going, you certainly understood the, you know, the meaningfulness of, of playing the teams that you were sharing the division with, for sure. How would you describe the different feeling in the division versus out of the division games? Uh, well, it was always, you know, listen, it, it sounds like football cliche conversation, but but the easiest way to get to the postseason is to, is to win your division. Yeah. So the division games are significantly more important. Now, mathematically, you could probably dispel that, but but inside that building, like what you want to do first and foremost is control your division. And I think if you look back at last year, you know, they were winless in the division. They were 0-6. And, and I think that that's where some of the improvement will come. If they're 0-6 again inside their division in 2023, again, something went wrong because yeah. the Vikings should come back to you. The, the Lions are going to be a handful. But, you know, listen, they're not unbeatable. And, 
And I think the Green Bay Packers still have a lot of questions to answer as well. So inside that division, there's got to be improvement. Did you did you feel like uh, our division rivals got better yesterday? Did you feel like there was – I'm not going to lie. When Detroit took a running back, I was just like, I don't know what's what going on. Yeah, like they, I like Gibbs. I, I don't know if I like him. What did he go? He, was he ninth? No, he went no, 12. No, they, they traded. They, they traded, traded back. He went, 12, he went 12. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it didn't make sense to me. Um, I don't know. I know the linebacker was very accomplished at Iowa, but look, I was there was part of me that thought they were going to get Jalen Carter and maybe a pass rusher I, before that, the draft started. It, that it's, was just yeah. it's just Aiden Hutchinson. It's just Aiden Hutchinson. He's so good, but, they're, but they're he's good, the only one there. They're a good football team, and they're getting better, and they start to believe in who they are. But, um, yeah, there's got to be improvement inside the division this year for yeah. sure. It's it's This season is going to be such a fun to me, pivotal season in the Bears. I said this draft alone is the draft to me that we'll either talk about this is the what gets us to our eventual Super Bowl berth, whether we win a championship in that or not. Those are kind of hard to get. Um, or we'll talk about this as the moment that sent us down a 10-year a spiral of more media. Well, I think there's a good chance you look back at this and say like this was this was the springboard to certainly better times and this was us kind of picking ourselves up off the turf and and heading in a different new better direction. Yeah. Or we'll look back and say more ineptitude and more of the same. Yeah. But I have a different feeling about this group and how they're going about doing things, so I'm much more optimistic about what's happening up there now. Uh, than I have been in a very long time. You you've you've been there for so long. You've seen it, covered it, talked Mold, about yeah. it. And I, I well, I, I wasn't going there. You know what I you mean? Didn't but I, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> why does this feel different? That's the one thing that I haven't been able to ask anybody who's outside or inside. Why does polls and what all of a sudden the McCaskies are doing feel different than what we've seen the entire time? Well, I would say, first of all, with polls, it was the acknowledgement that there needed to be a wholesale teardown. And usually when a new general manager comes in, look, those 14 losses go against his record. The yeah. general manager thinks that, you know, I can come in and put some paint over here and some lipstick over here. And next thing you know, I've got a, you know, somewhat decent football team. They recognize that this thing needed to start over. Yeah. And that's a hard determination. It sounds easy. For me, it is easy as a fan, but as a general manager who's very competitive, you know, it's got to be. When you got to look these guys in the eye and say you're fired. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And I think that that hiring Kevin Warren as as the president of this organization also means that there's a different voice uh, at the top of the food chain inside the building. And I think it's a voice that will be. Uh, very beneficial for Ryan Poles and his crew. I like that they added Ian Cunningham to yeah. the mix as well. I just think they're doing business differently. Doesn't mean they're going to ultimately find their way to the top of the NFL mountain, but I feel better about the process that they're implementing now than I have in the past. Hey, I love it. Uh, day two's here. We're excited for the draft. Appreciate you guys for tuning in and showing love. Last thing here, Tommy. Day two, who's the one name you want to see? Wearing a Bears jersey by the end of it. Wow. Um, no draft expert. Who is the guy? We also have Google, and we can edit this if, if it takes yeah, us too no, long to I find mean, it. Listen, I found out doing this for as long as I've done it. Just don't lie. Don't don't pretend <laughs> like you've got all the answers. Just be honest. Listen, I, I don't know. Give me a defensive give me a defensive lineman. Give me a pass rusher, whoever he is. Yeah. 
whoever's the best pass rusher that's on the board when they pick, pick him. That's who I want. All right. Leave him nameless, faceless, jerseyless, whatever it is, numberless, whoever that guy is. That's I want somebody. For me, the importance level or my power rankings in terms of positions are quarterbacks, guys that chase quarterbacks, guys that protect quarterbacks, wide receivers that help quarterbacks, and guys that guard that wide receivers are kind of tied there. So for me, outside the quarterback position, the most important position is the guys going after the quarterback. So give me somebody that can get a quarterback. There you have it there. Whoever you are, wherever you are. Wherever you may be. Welcome to the Chicago Bears. As always, man, it's your boy, Pat, the designer, back at it again. Joined here by Tommy Waddle, former Chicago Bears wide receiver. And, of course, my new teammate here at ESPN. I'm, I'm, I'm still taking all that in, man. Thrilled to be your teammate. All right, man. Before, but I do want to do this before I get out of here. First thing, thank you guys for an awesome week. Of course. Shout out to Danny Zetterman for giving me this opportunity. This has been the dream come true. This is a good team. The ESPN 1000 team is a great team. It, it has been amazing. The transition has been awesome. I, I was very shocked that I got brought into it, especially seeing as how this is where I wanted to be growing up listening to this station. And um, I just want to thank you guys for for being awesome. Of course, sitting on the podcast, but just, just making me feel welcome. Welcome man. to the crew. For sure. As always, man, it's your boy, Pat the Designer. I'm not going to cry on this pod. Right. I, 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 I'm I definitely can't. not going to cry. I, I can't. I, I've, I've, I've talked about this on The Breeze. Like, the most momentous moments. My daughter's born. I'm like, maybe I'll cry. No, nah, right, I'm probably just never going to cry. It's fine. Uh, Y'all yeah, stay safe out there, Chicago. Big Bear Don, everybody. Let's hope for a great day, too. Peace.